0: Your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. Philippians, chapter 1, in our Bibles here this evening. Last week we were in Corinthians and we saw how just some principles about love and how our families ought to be characterized by love. I hope that that your home is a haven. I know that there is no home on this earth that is perfect, Um, so I hope you didn't leave discouraged. Uh, At the same time, I imagine you left with some things to work on, and I I hope we as parents especially uh, desire that our homes are havens where our children love to be. And of course, a home that's a haven isn't just a place where children get whatever they want or where people do whatever they want, but a home that's a haven is a home that's constrained by love. It's uh, a a place where the children are loving and they're learning how to love, and they're seeing that in their parents. I could ask a question tonight of what does God want for your home, and I, I would like to ask that question. What, what do you think God wants for your home? And th- there's a lot of answers from the Bible that we could uh, give in response to that question. Uh, what, what, what does God want for your home? In Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is, is in prison. He's writing back to a church, a group of people, where a place where he and Silas had been actually. and um, People had trusted Christ and they were born again. They were added to the church. There wasn't a church there when Paul and Silas first came through, but a church was born and uh, Paul was in prison. He's writing back. He's, he's thinking about these people that he loves. Uh, he would have been thinking about Lydia and her family. Uh, he would have been thinking about the Philippian jailer. Do you remember that? Uh, Paul and Silas were in prison. They're singing. And uh, you remember how God looses them from prison. The Philippian jailer goes to take his own life. And uh, and Paul cries out, uh, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And uh, the Philippian jailer cries out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul gives him an answer. Uh, later, uh The Philippian jailer takes Paul home with them. His family trusts Christ, and they're all baptized. So they're all part of this church, the church at Philippi, the Philippian believers. So Paul's thinking about these people. He's in prison, but he's burdened for these people that make up a church. And there were some families that we know of that were a part of this church. Lydia and her family, the Philippian jailer and his family as well. And in chapter 1 and verse number 9, Paul is praying for them. And uh, in fact, the verbiage here in verse number 9 is that he's continually praying for them. He he won't stop. It's such a burden to him uh, that these families in the church at Philippi have this. And so, have you ever been so burdened for something you just you just can't get it off your mind? Maybe some people. And not just people, but, Lord, would you please move in... And you name the person, and Lord, would you move them in this way so that they will do this, um, because you know that that is God's plan for them. And anything short of that would be less than God's best. And you love that your motivation for praying is your love for those people and your desire that they have God's best for them. And so if I were to ask you that question, what does God want for your family? We talked about love, a home characterized by love, last Sunday night. But tonight, I want to draw your attention to something that you and I have to choose to do. And that is this. You and I and our families have to choose to love truth. Love truth. Um, That may sound a little uh, ethereal. It's out there. What does that mean, love truth? Well, I want us to look at our text and I, the thing I love about this passage is not only are we told what to do, we're told what it will result in, in our families. And you may struggle a little bit as, what does it mean to love truth? But there is no mistaking the results of loving truth. They're absolutely obvious in the passage. And as a father, as a parent, I want this for my family. And Paul wanted it for the church at Philippi. These families in the church at Philippi, and so he's praying for it. Look at verse number nine. He says this. It says, in this I pray. And it means there that he's continually praying. He's not stopping. He's burdened about it. He's passionate for it. He loves them. And here's what he's praying for. That your love, agape, your sacrificial love, what you sacrifice for may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Verse 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. Look at verse 9 again before we pray. He says, in this I pray that your love may abound, that it will grow yet more and more in knowledge, that's knowing what is right, and he says, and in all judgment, choices, doing what is right. Knowing what is right is part of what is true. Doing what is right is the other part of what is true. And he says, I want you sacrificially to love the truth, the knowledge of it, knowing what is right, but also doing what is right. Sometimes when we think about truth, we think of it only in the knowledge realm, to be able to know what's right or wrong, what, what's true, to know the truth. But God's not just interested in our families knowing the truth intellectually. God wants our families to do the truth. You know the, the truth. You know that truth is meant to be lived out. Truth is meant to be lived out. It's not just meant to be known intellectually. And so if I could summarize for us here this evening verse number 9, Paul is passionately and fervently and continually praying that the families within the church at Philippi, that they would love truth, the knowledge of it and judgment, the doing it, the living it out in their lives. Let's pray together and then we'll look at the results of what loving truth produces in a family. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, help us, I pray, tonight. Would you bless your word in our hearts, in our lives. I pray for our families. Lord, we know that we're in a battle. We know that the evil one is working. He's active. Um, He seeks to destroy. Uh, Father, I pray for fathers and mothers and children, uh, younger and older, grandparents. Lord, I pray everyone, without, without the sound of my voice, that we would be burdened, whether we have a large family or maybe no family at all. Father, may we as your children be moved to love truth with all of our hearts, and Father, may we, have, may we benefit from it as it is written in this passage. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what does God desire, as Paul here is being led of the Spirit of God to pray, what does God desire for our families? And, and he says it here in verse 9, that we would love truth, that it would be uh, something that we sacrifice for that we would make sacrifices for the truth, that we would uh, seek after the truth, that we would make truth a priority in our families. We could ask ourselves the question tonight, are you a truthful person? Do you tell the truth? Are you a sincere, are you a genuine person? Do you live it out on a regular basis? Most all of us here as parents and children who have parents most children do we want to be around people who are sincere we want to be around people who are honest we want to be around people who are trustworthy children want their parents to be that way parents want their children to be that way well the way to get there is to make truth a priority in in our families is truth a priority years ago and i've told you this i think But years ago, I I had a friend, still have a friend, and he's a pastor, or was a pastor at the time, and he he told me, he said, Seth, I I give double spankings to my children when they lie. And I thought, I'm glad you weren't my dad. (laughs) That's what I thought. Okay, but you know what? I also thought, that's really wise. And see, that particular man understood that sin is sin, that's true. But when we lie, when we don't walk in the truth, it actually, and and this is the way I would say it, I don't want my children to grow up thinking that they can lie and get away with it. And so we don't give double, but we give more. More than if they just tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. I can handle the truth. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. And, uh, Truth, so I say it in a practical way, but truth has to be important in our families. We can't live lies and expect to benefit, expect, expect to reap the benefits of loving truth because we don't love truth, okay? So we have to value truth. It has to be important to us. And so Philippians 1 and verse 9 gives us an answer to what God wants for us and for our families. He says, I want you to love truth. In John chapter 18, and verse number 38, Pontius Pilate actually looked at truth in the eyes, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. You remember what Pontius Pilate asked Jesus? He said, said, what is truth? What is truth? I don't even know what truth is. Uh, Spoken like a good politician. I don't know what truth is. He looked at truth in the eyes, and he didn't know what it looked like. He didn't know what it sounded like. He didn't know what it was. You know, sadly, in our families today, Oftentimes, we don't know what truth is. Oftentimes, too often in our families today, there's insincerity, disingenuous, uh, a false front. And you know what? That's not God's plan for godly families, for, born, for families who are born again, who have the Lord in them. In John 14 and verse 6, Jesus revealed that He is the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so Jesus is the truth. Uh, My wording for verse 9 is love truth, but you could say it this way, love Christ. He is the truth. Love him. Make him the center of your family. Yield to him. Yield to the truth. Submit. We ought to submit ourselves to the truth. And so as Paul wrote to these people who he loves so dearly, he's sharing with them, his fervent prayer for them that they would love, that they would love the truth. They would love the truth. Look again at verse number nine, and I hope it's sinking in a little bit. He says, "In this, I pray, I'm not going to stop that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. That's an accurate or precise knowledge, something that is accurate and in all judgment, moral discernment on ethical matters." judgment, knowing what is right, knowing the truth. Knowing the truth. Do you love truth? Paul's prayer was that their love would grow day by day, moment by moment, more and more for truth. Is your, is your love and evaluate your own life personally and, and as parents you could evaluate even your family. Do you think, would you say that your family is growing? Is their love, their sacrificial love growing more and more day by day for the truth? An accurate knowledge of it. Is there, and, and you how would you measure that? Well, is there a, is there a pursuit of truth that's taking place in your family? Do you talk about it? We're going to talk more about this next week, God willing. But do you talk about it? Do you read it? This is the truth. Do you read it? Do you take time for it? That would be the knowledge of it. But then the judgment, right choices, the discerning. Uh, is it true or is it not true? How are we applying the accurate knowledge to the matters of life? Are, 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 do we as a family know what truth is? Or are we more like Pontius Pilate? We're just kind of going through life and, the, and the, the the current of life is pulling us and it goes this way. And so we go that way and it goes this way. and We kind of go that way. And are we just getting pulled along with the current of life? How many of us understand that the current of society is not the current that we want to be caught in? How many of us here in this room can feel the pull of the current? How many of us can feel that? Are you following me at all? Okay, you feel the pull. And, And by the way, it's just not out there. It's right here, too. It's our own flesh. It's pulling. And one thing that's really struck me as a father is that my four children all have this, too. And they have that same pull that's taking place in their lives. There's a battle that's taking place the difference between me and them and all four of my children profess to be born again. And if that is true, they each have the spirit of God living in them. That being true, there's a battle taking place in all four of my children every day between the spirit of God and their own flesh. Hmm. That's serious, isn't it? That's serious. So as a father and as a mother, uh, as parents, we can lead our children to love the truth and we need to. Paul's praying for, he's in prison, but he's thinking of these families in this church, and he's saying, I'm praying, and I won't stop praying for you, because it's that important that you would love the truth, and that you would grow in your love for the truth. You're you're willing to sacrifice things in your life for the truth, and that you'd grow in it every day. More and more and more and more should never stop growing in our love for the truth. So, Here's what I want to ask then. Well, if we're going to love truth, what can we expect? If, we, if we're willing to make sacrifices for the truth. If we're, to, we're willing to pursue it and make it a pro, the priority in our lives. Not just knowing it, that's the first part of it, but then applying it to our lives. We're willing to say no to ourselves to live out the truth. That's a sacrifice. It's a worthy one. It's it's not one you'll regret. But you know what? There are times in this life where I know the truth. Now I have to do it. And if I love truth, I will. I'll do it. I'll do what I don't feel like because it's the truth. And I can lead my children in that way. I can lead my family in that way. What can I expect if I'm willing to love the truth? Well, number one, we can expect clarity in life. We can expect clarity in life. Look at verse number 10. Verse 9 says, love truth. Verse 10, he says, that ye may approve things that are excellent. Love truth so that you can approve things that are excellent. He's talking about clarity. Approve means to know. Verse 9, Paul says, I'm praying continually for you. That's how important this is, that your truth would grow and keep growing and not ever stop growing. Because if you will love truth, you will have clarity in your lives. How many of us as, as parents want our children to have clarity in their lives as they go through life? How many of us know that the older our children get, the bigger the decisions are and the greater the consequences or the rewards are? How many of us know that? We do. Some of us as parents are concerned about that, especially when we look at our children, we see a lack of clarity or a lack of judgment, a lack of discernment. We think, we kind of go, ooh. This could be bad because if if I'm not there to protect them, they may make the wrong choice. We know at some point as parents, we're not going to be there to protect them. They have the Holy Spirit if they're born again living inside of them. If we'll teach them to love the truth and will be willing to sacrifice for the truth, there's something that they will benefit from, and that is clarity in life. Uh, clarity in life. Clarity is so important. Clarity is knowing what is right. It's been it's been said that life is choices. Choices have consequences. So make the right choice. Well, it's hard to make the best choice if we don't have clarity in our lives. You know, each of us are walking through life. We face decisions every day. And so the question is, how's your vision? Are you able to see clearly? Are you able to see clearly? A love for truth gives clarity. A love for truth gives clarity. I also notice uh, in in verse number 10, the beginning part, he says that ye may approve, that you may know things that are, what does it say? Excellent. Um, How many of us like that word when applied to our lives? Wouldn't it be great to, to, to reap what is excellent? Wow, the best. It doesn't get any better. Um, and Paul writes to this church, these people that he loves, these families, he hasn't seen them in a, in a while. He remembers when they first believed and they, they were saved. He watched the whole Philippian jailer's family get saved and he baptized them. And, 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 you know, he walked away and he had to just praise the Lord and say, God, thank you so much for what you did. He, that wasn't his original plan to go there. God redirected his steps to be there and the whole family is saved and baptized and now he's thinking about it. he's praying for them, he loves them, he says love truth because I want God's best for you I can't, I can't get you off my mind I pray for you all the time that your love would abound more and more for truth because I want you to be able to know those things that are excellent Now I, I enjoy hot dogs Kogel hot dogs are great uh, hamburgers are better in my opinion there's no doubt about that uh, cheeseburger. I really enjoy cheeseburgers. Some of you don't eat cheese in your burgers. I feel sorry for you. You're just missing out on life. Anyway, but you get all the right toppings on that burger and a nice bun. It. I don't think it's much better than that, although some of you uh, would say steak would be better than a hamburger. Would you say that, some of you, you? More of you upper-class people, steak, you know... Uh, The classier people might say steak is better than a hamburger. So you have have hot dogs. Those are good. Hamburgers are better. Steak is best. Uh, The right cut of steak. I like my steak medium. Juicy, salt and pepper. Some of you like your steak cooked like a piece of jerky. That's not steak. That's jerky. It comes in a pack. But steak, cooked the right way, it's juicy, you just cut it and it just it melts in your mouth and a little bit of salt and pepper, it's just, it's good. Uh, steak is the best. You know, it's excellent. God, this is not a health and wealth gospel, but it's, it's possible for you and for me and our families to settle for that which is less than God's best. And I and I have to notice here as Paul prays for this church, these families within this church, he's praying that they will love truth so that they will have clarity to make the right decisions that will result in that which is excellent. I don't I've never met a parent yet um, in their right mind who didn't want the best for their children. Well, the way to get to have God's best for your children and for your family is to love the truth. Now, the word love there is the word agape. It's the sacrificial love. You're going to have to say no to some things to have God's best for your family. You can't say yes to your flesh and have God's best for your family. we got some teenagers here. You're going to have to say no to some things. Your own flesh is going to want to lead you down a path That's wrong. It's sinful. It's going to feel right. It's going to feel good. Others are going to be partaking in it. Your flesh is going to be saying, it'll be okay. It's going to rationalize it. It's going to give you a dozen excuses why it's okay to partake in it, whatever it may be. But if you will sacrificially love truth, you will have the clarity in your life to be able to know, the word approve means to know, to come alongside of, to grab hold of, to know with absolute certainty, this is best for my life. How many of us know as we get older, we face some decisions where we're kind of like, oh, could someone else please make the choice? Which which one should I make? Uh, Do I know a love for truth, a sacrificial love for truth will produce clarity? But secondly, I notice a sacrificial love for truth will produce character, character. Clarity is knowing what is right. And clarity is really important. It's great to have. I love it in life when I have clarity. I just know this is what, this is the only option. There are no other options. This is the way. I don't like it when there are options. I like clarity. Clarity is knowing what is right. Character is doing what is right. A love for truth produces clarity. I want my wife to have clarity. I want myself to have clarity. I want my children to have clarity. And they're they're at different ages. They're different stages in life. A love for truth produces clarity. That's knowing what is right. A love for truth produces character. That's number two. Character is doing what is right. You know, it's one thing to know what's right, it's an entirely different matter to do what's right. When there's pressure, when there's a fear of man, when there's pure pressure to to fit in, to be conformed to this world. It's going to take some character to go through life. It's going to take some character to say, you know what, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. And, 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 you know, here I am talking to who knows who, but I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. A group of friends, maybe. Um, But sometimes the hardest hardest person to say no to is right here. No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. I know you feel like it. I know you want to. You see, a love for truth produces character. Look at verse number 10 again, the middle part. He says it this way, that ye may be sincere. Verse, verse 9, is saying love truth. Verse 10, the middle part, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. This was Paul's prayer. He's thinking about these church members. There happened to be some families in the church of Philippi. He's thinking, so he's thinking about families. He's saying, I am praying for you, and I'm not going to stop praying for you because I want you, to, I want you to reap the benefits of loving truth. This is what you need to do. And by the way, these families hadn't been saved that long. They hadn't been saved for 10 years, or 20 years, or 30 years. They'd been saved a few years. They didn't have the New Testament the way you and I have the New Testament. None of them had been to Bible college. We have a jailer. We got Lydia, a seller of purple. She's a businesswoman, successful. These people don't know, maybe even have as much knowledge as some of us have in this room. And yet Paul's saying you can still love the truth so that you will reap the benefits of loving the truth, so that you'll have clarity... You'll know what's right, and you'll know what's best. So then you'll also be able to do what's best. You'll have the character to actually live it out in your lives. Character is doing what is right. Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, reputation is the shadow. Character is the tree. See, our character is much more than just what we display for others to look at. Character is who we are when nobody's watching. It's what we say, it's what we do when nobody else is around. Good character is doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. You know, there are some young people here this evening, and as your pastor, that's my desire for you, that you do the right thing when you're at school, when you're around your friends, hey, when you're at home and you're on your phone, whether mom's there or dad's there or not, Maybe it's just you. Maybe, you're, maybe you have a couple influences and they're not the best influence. Or maybe it's just the influence of your flesh. My prayer for you as your pastor is that you would have clarity to know what is right and the character to do what is right when nobody else is around. And sometimes that is incredibly hard to do. And the way to get there, mom and dad, this is where you come in. Teach your children to love the truth. Teach your children to make sacrifices for the truth. Teach your children to make truth a priority. Teach your children to, as Paul wrote, love the truth. To love it. To love it. More than anything else. There's nothing wrong with that because Christ is the truth. So to love the truth is to love Christ more than anything else. To love him more than I love me. To love him more than I love my reputation. To love him more than I love fun. And I like fun. But to love him more. To love him more. Love truth. Character is doing what is right. Look at verse 10 again. The middle part, he says, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere. The word sincere means to, means without wax. Um, you say, that's wonderful, Seth, Thanks. Okay, In it, the word sincere was a, a term for uh, potters would use. They would take a, a, a clump of clay, and they would mold and shape that clay into whatever form they wanted to be, maybe a pitcher or a nice vase or something like that, a pot. And, uh, and after they would mold it, of course, it was still moist, the clay, and they would put it inside of a kiln or an oven. They would fire the kiln, fire the oven, and they would bake the clay. It would harden and then they would finish it off with any decorations or something like that, or maybe even pre-decorate it before they baked it. If they heated up the kiln too hot or left it in too long, or maybe there was something wrong with the clay, sometimes the potter would go and he'd pull it out of the oven, and there would be a crack in in the pottery. And if that were the case, an honest potter would take the pot, and he would throw it into a heap, and it would break into a bunch of pieces, and it was done. There was nothing that could be done with it. But if the potter was dishonest, he would take that pot with a crack in it or a weakness, he would take wax, and he would melt the wax, and he would fill the crack, and then cover it up so no one could see it, and he'd sell it on, anyway. Um, and if you or I were to purchase that, and we were to try to cook some, uh, something in it, we'd put it in our oven, and we would try to cook something in it, and the wax would begin to melt, and the pot would break apart, or it would leak. Why? Because the pot was insincere. And so people in those days, when they were shopping for pottery, many times they would take the pot and they would hold it up to the light of the sun. And if there was uh, insincerity in the pot, it would, the light would actually penetrate through where the wax had been put. And you could tell. You know, we're supposed to, in this context, hold our lives up to the light of God's word and let it reveal to us where the insincerities are, the places of weakness are in our lives. And as we love the truth, what ends up happening is we just keep pursuing it. We doggedly pursue and love the truth. We fall along the way. Yes, that's going to happen, but you're not going to stop loving the truth. See, when I talk about loving truth, it doesn't, I'm not assuming that all of our children are just going to grow up or in our own personal lives that we're not going to fall and stumble along the way or have a day where we walk in the flesh. I'm not assuming that is not going to happen. It is going to happen on occasion, but as we love the truth, Not only do we have clarity, but our character grows and is strengthened. Maybe we don't fall as much as we used to or in the same places we used to. And there's a strengthening. So a love for truth produces character. There's a sincerity. And then look at verse 10, the middle part, or near the end there. He says, and without offense. That ye may be sincere. And then he says, without offense. And the words without offense mean not leading into sin. That's interesting to me. Paul's thinking about these people. He's in prison, chained up to a Roman guard. He's burdened for these families, the church of Philippi, that they'd be sincere, genuine. And by the way, there's no better parenting than sincere, genuine parenting. There's nothing better than that. The false front town doesn't work. Do as I say, not as I do. That's not how we parent. He's thinking about them and he's thinking and I don't want them to lead one another to sin either. Is it possible that you could lead another church member to sin? Yes or no? Yes, it is. I can lead my children to sin. I can lead my wife to sin. She could lead me to sin. We can lead one another to sin. And Paul writes to these believers, he says, don't lead each other to sin, without offense. How do we keep from doing that? The answer is love truth. You're going to have to make some sacrifices for truth. Now this morning we had the Lord's Supper, for those of you who are here, and uh, communion. And we talked about a friend that we have. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Wasn't that wonderful? Think about that. He's my friend. Friend when I was a sinner, and he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, he is my friend. You know, my heart is drawn out to love him. This is just the application of that. He loved me when I was unlovable. It makes a lot of sense for me to love him because he first loved me. And I'm gonna have to say no to me to love him the way he deserves to be loved love truth. Love truth. It, results in, it re- results in a life of clarity. It results in a life of character, a family that has clarity, a family that has character, sincere, not leading into sin. And then very quickly in verse number 11, it talks about Christ-likeness. Now, we could say for a moment, you know, this is, just isn't practical. I mean, clarity is practical. That's for this life. I want my children to have clarity in making decisions. Character is practical because I want them to be able to have good relationships, working with people, and to be able to make good money. And if they're not honest, then their business is going to fall apart. So character is important. But Christ-likeness, Pastor Ferguson, uh, that really, I mean, what is that? Well, what Paul's talking about is love for truth will help you in this life. It'll help you to be who who God wants you to be. It doesn't get any better than that. But if you'll love truth, the rewards are not just in this life. They're for all of eternity. There are maybe some men in this room, and you have wisdom. You can teach your sons and your daughters the wisdom that you have, and they can go out and make a good living. They can establish and maintain good relationships with people, and that's wonderful. But you know what? If you'll teach your children to love truth, they will benefit from their love for truth in this life, which is just a vapor, just a short period of time. The benefits of loving truth for this vapor of a life last forever. Look at verse 11. He says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, that's the result of loving truth, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. You know, if I'll love truth, you know who is glorified? You know who's honored if I'll love truth? God is. He is lifted up. He is magnified. He is glorified. You know who is glorified and honored and pleased when if I'm able to lead my children to love truth, God is honored and glorified. You know, the concept isn't all that complex. Love truth. Just two words. Sacrificially Love the truth. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. There's a lot of things you may sell. Cindy says, I can't sell a thing. I only collect things. I buy things. I don't sell things. You know, there's some of you who are good at selling stuff. You should come over and I'll give you stuff and you can go sell it. Okay? I give things away. I don't really sell much. Buy the truth and sell it not. It is a worthwhile investment. I'll close with this you're going to lead your family to love the truth, you're going to have to make time for it. You're going to have to make time for it. I know we're busy. You're going to have to make time to open up the Word of God. You're going to have to make time to read it. You know, in in a, in a family meeting like this, there's a couple things that we can... Don't just leave burden. Make some adjustments. Don't leave, don't leave and think, you know what, I'm just failing. My children are half grown. I've only got five years left with this one and two with that one and seven with that one. I don't... Don't don't leave like that. Leave and say, you know what, I need to make some adjustments. I love the truth. Lord, help my love to grow for it. But then, Lord, how can I make, how can I show my children that truth is that important to us? Well, make time for it. Talk about the daily devotions. We have the Iwana program coming up. Sunday night services are a great time to, to prove to your children, to display to your children, family, you don't have to say this. It just, it just is communicated. Family, truth is important to us really important Wednesday night with Awana sunny school for your children take advantage of these things so make it a priority and then walk in it and to walk in it you're going to have to make some sacrifices you're going to have to say no to some things to say yes to the truth when the spirit of God speaks to you you're going to have to say no to your flesh to say yes to him the spirit of truth and you know my my prayer for you and, and for me would be this just one truth at a time. You know, sometimes I look at parenting, it's a bit overwhelming. I look at I look at all four of them and I think, what are the chances? I mean I literally want to I literally want to kind of bend over like that. What are the chances this happens? And then they gotta marry other people. You know, I mean, other people, four other people's gotta be included. I mean, who knows what their parents are doing right now? Who knows what kind of people they're gonna be? You know, and, and and are they gonna are they going to are they gonna make it? Is it gonna be all right? Okay, I'm like you. I think like that sometimes. Okay, I'm gonna let all that. I'm gonna set all that aside, and it's just gonna be today. We're gonna love truth. We're gonna sacrifice for truth. We're gonna make time for it. We're gonna say no to me. We're gonna say yes to the spirit of truth. We're gonna say yes to Jesus Christ, truth. I'm gonna love it. Let's pray.